Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Hoops with Coop. I am your host, Noel Guerra. Uh, today, we don't have a guest. So today, I wanted to talk about some of the surprises of the season thus far. Uh, a lot of teams are close to about 30 games, uh, roughly around there, maybe 26, 27, 28 games. So this is a good time to, you know, check out to see what surprises are happening and, you know, seeing if they might stick or if this might be a flash in the pan. So to go off of that, the first surprise of the year is something that I recently talked about in an article, and it is the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. Both of these teams had a blockbuster trade last deadline, and it was for Tyrese. Pretty much it was for Tyrese Halliburton and DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis coming from Indiana to Sacramento, Halliburton going from Sac to Indiana. Buddy Heald was also in the trade going from Sacramento to Indiana, but pretty much the primary pieces were Halliburton and Sabonis. Now, when the trade first happened, a lot of people were very confused by it. Halliburton was coming off of his uh, rookie year where he was pretty much a solid rookie that you could just see was trending upward. And a backcourt with him and Fox didn't seem like it was working, but a lot of people would have assumed that they would choose Halliburton over Fox. So to trade Halliburton in his second year for an all-star in Sabonis when they didn't have any playoff aspirations last season was kind of strange. But the Kings, I guess, had a plan in place. And the plan is working to fruition this year. New head coach Mike Brown is at the helm. Fox is playing like an all-star. Sabonis is still at his all-star level. Then you have the supporting pieces. Kevin Herter, that they got in a pretty much a salary dump from the Atlanta Hawks, has been phenomenal. Malik Monk off the bench has been phenomenal. Davion Mitchell has been really good defensively. Their first-round draft pick in Keegan Murray has been pretty good. The team has a core that can actually make a playoff run. And as of today, they're 15 and 12. They're seventh in the Western Conference. And they legitimately look like a playoff team. It When you look at the roster, it doesn't necessarily come as a surprise. On talent, on paper, they have talent. But it's the Kings. They haven't made it to the playoffs in about 16, 17 years. So it's hard to just think in your mind, this is a playoff team. But they legitimately look like a playoff team. And then you go on the flip side, you have the Indiana Pacers. They grab Tyrese Halliburton. They get rid of their own only all-star. They kind of wanted to get out of that mediocrity. So this season was, okay, we're going to develop young guys. Halliburton, you have the ball. Go run wild with it. And then hopefully we get number one pick so we could draft Victor Wembanyama. So <laughs> that plan has not worked, at least the Victor Wembanyama part. Because as of today, the Pacers are also the seventh seed, but in the Eastern Conference at 15 and 14. Tyrese Halliburton is easily one of the best guards we have seen this year. Leading the league in assists by a wide margin. He is very smart with the ball, knows when to make the right plays. He is looking like a future star in this league. Then when you look at the rest of the team, you have the aforementioned Buddy Heald. who's there for shooting, but is also in trade rumors. Same goes for Miles Turner, but Miles Turner is a very key piece for this Pacers team right now. His defense, his rebounding, he's able to stretch the floor while Halliburton can penetrate. He could be in the corner spot of threes. Miles Turner is a very key piece for this team. Then you have a young rookie in Benedict Matherin who nobody thought would be in contention for rookie of the year. And he might be the front runner for not only rookie of the year, 
but sixth man of the year. He has been phenomenal. And and it just takes a testament to Rick Carlisle. You know, we always remember Rick Carlisle with the Mavericks teams post their championship run. They might have not they might have never won a series after their championship, but somehow they always made it to the playoffs. And that was a testament to Rick Carlisle's coaching. And he's doing the same thing now with the Indiana Pacers. They're ha- they have a better record than the Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks, Toronto Raptors. Nobody would have expected that, but the Pacers are doing it, all thanks to Carlisle and Halliburton. And, you know, both of these teams, it's weird because you don't see a lot of win-win trades. A lot of the time you see one team severely winning the trade and another team losing the trade. Uh, just it's just how it works. You know, some player gets, some team gets the star player while the other team gets draft picks an assortment of young talent, you know, with the Clippers and Thunder trade, we don't even know who it might even look like the Thunder are winning that trade because of the injury issues that the Clippers have, you know, but it's just, it's weird to see a trade benefit both sides so much that neither side would probably regret it. And, that is somewhat of a surprise in today's era of the NBA, but it's also a surprise seeing these teams be as successful as they are. Now, going on to my second surprise, it has to go to the parity that's in the Western Conference. And I remember, you know, growing up, there would be about six teams in the Western Conference that would get to 50 wins. There were some seasons that even eight teams would get to 50 wins in the Western Conference. The Western Conference just was so loaded with the Spurs and the Suns. Uh, the Lob City Clippers, Aldridge Dame, Trailblazers, Harden Rockets, and then obviously the Warriors dynasty. But the difference with this season is a lot of the usual suspects are not doing so well right now. As of today, the Warriors are out of the playoffs. The Clippers are the sixth seed. The Suns are the fifth seed but are on a six-game losing streak. And as of today, the first two seeds are the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. The Pelicans where I believe the eighth seed last season put up a fight against the against the one seeded Suns, but you know, okay, they might get a little bit better, creep up to the fifth seed, sixth seed area. But no, as of right now, they're the one seed. Zion Williamson looks back. Brandon Ingram was doing very well, but he got hurt dealing with a toe issue. CJ McCollum hasn't found his stride yet, but it's a lot of the young pieces around that are doing great. Uh, Herb Jones hasn't been playing as well, but Dyson Daniels has stepped in, has looked really good. They're a young rookie. Then there's Trey Murphy, who they drafted last season, who's been phenomenal. Trey Murphy is excellent. Great spot of shooter, pretty good defender. Jose Alvarado still being that sneaky pest. As you saw last week, I believe it was Chris Paul elbowing him. The team is really good. They're very deep. And it's not a shock that they're the one seed right now when you actually look at their roster and see how they're playing. Then you have the Memphis Grizzlies, who, when you look at their roster, you might not be surprised that they're the second seed. But the issue is that Jaron Jackson, John Morant, and Desmond Bain have not played a single minute this year together, which is surprising. Jaron Jackson came back from an injury, but then Desmond Bain also got hurt during the season at the early parts with a toe injury, and he's still out for a couple of more weeks. And there was John Morant, who was out for a little bit, but came back, and he's, you know, being John Morant. But it's just weird that a team like this that's dealing with their big three not playing with one another, still finding that success. You know, Dylan Brooks could be very hit or miss at times, but during that stretch when John Morant and Desmond Bain were out and Jaron Jackson was still trying to find his footing, Dylan Brooks held his own. 
So this team is positioned at the second seed. Uh, both of them, both the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are 18 and 9. Followed with the third seed are the Denver Nuggets at 17 and 10 with the two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. Now, the thing with the Nuggets, great offense, but their defense is just not it right now. They they won last night 141 to 128 to, against the Wizards, but they let a Wizards team without KP and without Bradley Beal get to 128 points. The defense is just not doing good. Jamal Murray is very hit or miss. Uh, he looks like he's forcing it at times, especially if it's not going right away. He wants to get back into the swing of things so bad, but last night Bones Highland was the one that had to close out and be the point guard, you know, carrying them at the end. Him and Jokic because Jamal Murray was just not having it. Aaron Gordon has looked great. Aaron Gordon has definitely been the second best player on the Nuggets this year on both ends of the court. Great defensively guarding the best wing on each team. On offense has been really good shooting a career high at, on uh, shooting a career high from three. Then there's Michael Porter Jr. who's hurt again dealing with a heel injury. He's just I don't want to call him injury prone, but it's looking like that. It's sad because they gave him a big contract and they really wanted him to be the third star, but it's looking like it's going to be Aaron Gordon. And I don't know if Aaron Gordon could be your third guy on a championship caliber team. Nikola Jokic is still doing great, but his backup big is DeAndre Jordan. I don't know how far that can take you. Mike Malone is finally learning how to stretch out rotations and, you know, use Jamal Murray when Jokic is out and vice versa. He's finally learning how to do that. So, and the defense, like I said, is a very big problem. And it's just the guards aren't, except for maybe KCP, the guards are not big enough to guard opposing wings. And, you know, Bruce Brown can do it, but he's you now about 6'3", 6'4". To guard someone like Kawhi and Paul George, Aaron Gordon can only do but so much with one of them. So that's how I feel about the Nuggets. Then you have the Trailblazers at fourth seed, fifth seed Suns, and going down the list. So it's a lot of parity in the Western Conference right now. But I don't know if it's because it's a deep Western Conference. I just don't think there are a lot of teams that look like championship contenders. When you go out to the Eastern Conference, you have the Celtics and the Bucks who look like true contenders. You look at those teams playing, you say, that team is a championship-winning team. Then you go to the Western Conference. Do you really think that the Pelicans or the Grizzlies can win a championship? Do you think the Nuggets can win a championship? A lot of people still want to pencil in the Clippers, but who knows if Kawhi or Paul George are going to be healthy in the long run. Then you have the point guard situation between Reggie Jackson and John Wall. I don't know. Can you win with them as your lead guards? Then you have Mark, uh, Marcus Morris, who could be a black hole at times. So who knows Who knows who's going to come out the West? And then the Golden State Warriors, they're dealing with a ton of issues. Steph Curry is injured now. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks for a shoulder injury. So, but the Western Conference is wide open. But staying on to the Western Conference, my third and last surprise, the Dallas Mavericks. They're 14-14. and 14. They're currently the ninth seed. And it's just not clicking. There was a clip last night that Luca was walking to the bench and completely ignored everyone on the bench. The vibes do not seem good in Dallas right now. After coming off of their Western Conference Finals trip last season, I thought the sky was the skies was the limit for them. But Luca has to do too much on this team, and that's an issue. And 
it's not as though he has a lot of help as well or someone to save him. His second best player on the team and the person that can help him out the most is Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie's, Spencer Dinwiddie's good, but he should never be the second best player on a team with contending aspirations, whether it's now or in the future. They need to get help now and very soon because Luke is going to get annoyed by this because his usage rate is currently, I believe, at 37, which is one of the highest in NBA history. And it's not necessarily his fault at the time. Maxi Kleber is hurt. Tim Hardaway Jr. was struggling in the beginning of the year. He's looking better as of late. Like I said with Spencer Dinwiddie, he's playing really well, but should he be the second best player on a team like this with playoff aspirations? Christian Wood is their sixth man that comes off the bench, their big man. But he could be a black hole at times, too. He thinks tries to play one-on-one out in the perimeter, even though he's a big man. Other players, there's Josh Green, a lot of young wings. You know, Reggie Bullock has been abysmal this year, to say the least. Luka needs help. And the Mavericks at 14 and 14, they're very bad on the road. They need help fast. And if not this year, at least in the offseason, something needs to give here. Luka is a generational talent. Luka is amazing this year, regardless of the record, regardless of the usage rate. Luka is generational. But at the end of the day, that can only get you but so far. We've only seen it a few times in our lifetime. You know, whether it was LeBron on the early Cavs teams or the post-Kyrie Cavs teams. We've only seen it but so many times. And Luka can take them to the playoffs, but a first-round exit, and that's it with this current core. So thank you so much for joining. Those are my three surprises thus far for the NBA season. Stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Thank you.